Popeye Doyle. If he doesn't like you, he'll take you apart. And it's all perfectly legal, because Doyle fights dirty. You want to take a ride there, fat man? And plays rough. Anybody want a milkshake? Doyle is bad news, but he's a good cop. We're going now. Bye. How many times have I been down hard and looked up and saw him smiling like a shining dime? Yeah. And hoped that he would stay and tell me why he was so happy if he had a time. Who is that clown? Jewish lucky man. What about the last of big time spenders? You make him? No, you. He's spreading it around like the Russians are in Jersey. They say we stick around and give him a tail. Our friend's name is Boca, Salvatore Boca, B-O-C-A. Well, downtown, they're pretty sure he pulled off a contract on a guy named DeMarco. Uh, that's not a drop. I'll open up a charge for you in Bloomingdale's. B-O-C-A. Doesn't matter. And then on our own, after working a whole day and night, we tailed him to Brooklyn. And we sat on him for practically a week. Now, who do we come up with? The French Connection. A millionaire exporter with a record too clean to be true. And Doyle knows it. But he's been known to make mistakes. Your hutches are backfired before, Doyle. This time, he can't afford to be wrong. Last time you're dead certain, we aren't the dead cop. All right, let's hit him. Hit him! All right, nobody move. Put your hands in the air. The stakeout. It's me, it's me. The payoff. Chase. Don't stop. Hey, Coke, you all right? Welcome to Waffle on Podcast. My name is Solomon Meddings. And I'm Mark C. Kelly. Deja vu. Deja vu. 
Hi, and welcome to the show, and I uh, hope you enjoyed our mini episode. That should already be up on our feed, but as ever, we're never too sure what order these things are. It's like Picard. I'm not too sure what's going on. Oh. <laughs> right, can, I, can we talk about that straight away? Of course you can, mate, yeah, yeah. But the latest episode of Picard. Yeah. Have you seen I need it? To, like, I need to like, tone down my language on this. <laughs> okay, blimey. <laughs> Borg. Yeah. What the F? <laughs> right? So, all the Borg Empire, she talked about it a bit. Yeah. Uh, hooking. Meds. Uh, that, I was open jaw at that bit. Right, okay, yeah. Uh, you know what? Take a step back. I don't care what people say. Now we got. I do not think this last series has been very good. Don't care. No, I, I don't. No, I, I, I'm I, agreeing I, with you. Yeah. You don't know what's going on. Right, horrible thing to say because I don't like saying this. Patrick Stewart, too old. Mm-hmm. Don't make any sense what he's going on about. The stuff about, you know it's bad. There's that thing in it. When you start doing backstory about him being young, it means you've got no... Because of that expression, you know, Prince Townsend, you know, you say, backstory is because you've got no story. Yeah, although saying that, though, I quite like the backstory. That's the thing yeah. I'm, I quite like. I'm quite enjoying all this story about when he was a kid. I just kind of wish I'd done that. In as an a episode. story? As a story, maybe when, you know, when, when he was on that table. Yeah. Maybe just had, excuse me, maybe just had one episode and tell you all about that backstory. Because well, no, it, it's like someone saying on Twitter about this, right? If you're going to do that, why not just have a young Picard story? Mm, yeah. Like young Indiana Jones. Have him going onto the Stargazer. Mm. Going onto the Stargazer. Stargazer. Having the thing where he has his stabbed, like one of the great episodes of Next Gen. And have him becoming the, showing how he became the captain. That's what, I I, I don't know, every episode is 50 minutes. And if you said to me afterwards, what happened in 50 minutes? I said, I don't know. Mm, I I, I don't know. Maybe because I'm not the smartest or we're not the smartest. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the threat is. You know what? I, I don't I, know. You know Q? what? I've had, uh, well, where's he? What's going on what's with him? What's the point of being queuing to it if he's not going to be the main person? And I like the Borg Queen, but if you if you know you you know your Borg law don't make any sense. No, they don't have leaders. They're a collective. They're supposed well, to they're, have got rid of. They're meant to be like the beehive, though, aren't they? That's the whole thing. You've got the Queen Bee, and then. I don't understand it because I know this is because you know what happens because at the beginning you see the Borg, the new Borg. That, yeah. Is that what that's going to be? That's the new Borg. How it starts out. I, I don't know. <laughs> leave the Borg alone. Cause this is like, I'm going to talk about in the documentary. Yeah. The Borg to me is like a bit like the Daleks with the who, isn't it? Mm. When they're out of ideas Bring and the they want to get the fans back, we'll put them back into it. They've done the Borg too much. Done it yeah. too much. We know every facet of the Borg. In the mm. last one, it was near enough the bloody Borg again, but at least it was interesting with you and the Borg cube. Mm. I, yeah. I, I bring the Borg back again. Well, I, so I, I don't I don't quite... I mean, you know when you had these geezers, like, with the guns, like the green laser oh, the, sight? The, the like, new Borg in it. Uh, yeah, so I was thinking, oh, like, if they get shot by one of these... Borg guns or whatever it is. Does yeah. this mean you get implanted with a with a, so you go, yeah, yeah? No, no, it weren't. It was just sort of like that's no, just a laser side, but it's green. Yeah, so that was a bit crap. Uh, but the other thing that really confused me, and I was like, "Hold on, a minute. you know the house 
Picard's yeah. house. So this is Picard's house before Picard lived in it, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, obviously yeah. you weren't born in 2245. No, no. no. So are you telling me then in 200 years time or when, when, whenever it is, 23, yeah, 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 30, I don't know what, two, 300 years, I don't, care, I don't know. That house would still have that same bookcase with the same lock on it. No, you wouldn't because it would be rotten and falling apart. So how, how does all this, how does this house, I could understand if they went, uh, it just doesn't make any sense at all. It's that like, house doesn't make any no, sense. It's like, that, that, you know, the, the unless Vulcan. it's all a dream, <laughs> a bit off. but uh, the, the, you know, yeah, the folk, uh, you know, v- v- you know, who died, then it yeah. come back as an emergency combat hologram. Yeah, what does that <laughs> come from? I, I know you can write whatever you want in, but it's the last but episode, wasn't, but wasn't last episode no. next week. Yeah, but wasn't no, what? all the emergency, the emergency pilot, the emergency doctor, the emergency, that all versions of. The, the 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 Spanish guy was he yeah. Spanish or Mexican? What's happened to him? But but that yeah so because he had a massive beard and he had a moustache and that yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. you can tell the difference were and now not in it and I, I don't the whole thing with the data guy soon as well you're there going oh God. but the thing is is that I mean we can't get discovery over here and I know there's been a lot of people complaining about we can't get well legally you can't yeah. get discovery and we're not going to be able to get strange new worlds because we don't have anything like that over here apparently plus no one no one has it over here but apparently and i don't know because we haven't we haven't seen know. it yeah, but according to a few people on to internet that they've been like saying discovery just hasn't been good well i don't think discovery was very good when i watched it i watched it because it's star trek and i'll watch anything to do with star trek you but about discovery and the very first season with jason mm. isaac's in it some good yeah. stuff in that, weren't there? I was Lorca, yeah. Yeah, Harry Mudd. I love that episode with Harry Mudd in it, <laughs> where he's doing all the killings. And, and oh, this is going to be good. And then he's sort of, as we're going to talk about in that documentary, it's bloody paramount, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They, they, they don't understand what people want from Trek, which Disney do from Star Wars. Yes, exactly. They understand the product they've got. But we'll talk about that, won't we? There's like an amazing documentary that I've read about years ago, but I forgot about it. And then you give me a heads up. Mm. I keep calling it the captain's chair. But it, it, <laughs> it really is the captain's chair. It's the captain's chair, yeah. The censor seat. Which is like the most nerdy, in-depth documentary that I love about Star Trek. I watched it over a week, you know, brilliant. Mm. But yeah, you take a step back about it, and Paramount, an awful, awful mm interfering patronizing not giving it the right money yeah trying to change things without asking the writers and the actors teaching the actors like crap when they pull up a fight about wanting a bit more money getting obsessed with seven and nine which is so true isn't it about voyager it's yeah like everyone was about really hurt at the end even though it was only because she was hot and that was oh. the read between the lines that's what it was weren't it mm, yeah it was, it was the old way of Getting viewing figures, wasn't it? There's like, oh, I know what we'll do. We'll put an attractive guy. And that, it's not, nothing against Jerry Ryan as well, because I think Seven and Nine is a great character. She's a great character. But ultimately, it was like offensive towards the older people there, like Camel Grew and everything. But you're right, Paramount. Paramount sometimes, BBC are, the, are very similar, like with Doctor Who. Yeah, it's yeah, like, it's oh like man, it. sci fi, do we really need it? Well, it just brings you in shitloads of money. And it's also very, very offensive towards the people who listen to it, like uh, watch it. Sorry, <clears throat> I mean, cutting out the whole, cutting out the whole British kind of like 
and I, I, I don't know if it's just affected Britain or it's affected Europe or whatever. Um, but but stopping us from seeing it is such a backwards thing to do. I, I just do don't know why they've done it. I don't understand why they've done that because surely they've oh we've got to change it because of the deep depreciating returns on Star Trek. Well, because the product's not good enough. Mm. Right? Disney understood to when they bought Star Wars, everyone was worried about them TV series, weren't they? Of course, and, absolutely. And they're going to water it down. Mm, yeah, just no, to it, fact, it's made it stronger. That <laughs> Moonlight has made it stronger. <laughs> yeah. Right? Make it better. Well, and both me, know, both me so, and you were were very vocally. Critically stroke worried about Disney taking over stuff like Marvels to a certain degree and definitely Star Wars because we'd I think we'd been burnt slightly with George Lucas's tampering and making Greedo first and all that kind of bullshit. But you know, you know, and absolutely fair play to Disney. You know, you only have to watch Moon Knight now to realise what direction they can go in 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 any genre, and they're not treating people. You know, you get you still get the winch bags. You'll always get that in any kind of fandom. Oh, look, it's sticking the fan box and all this kind of bullshit. Well, yeah, because sometimes you've got to play to the people who watch it. You know, you're not going to get. Although saying that, my daughter who's twelve, absolutely loving Moon Knight, right? But it could be the fact that she's watched loads of programs that I watch that have violence in it because she knows the difference between comic book stop violence. You know, and, and, and anything else. I was watching um I was watching the other day. I can't remember, but it was bloody violent. I will tell you what I was watching. I was watching I, I really you know, I said to you the other day, I really want to watch some Tarantino. I want to have a bit of a binge trying mm. And I was on my own last night and I thought, well, I'm watching Django Unchained. Oh amazing. Man, I mean considering as well that the uh, the the dogs ripping the guy apart and the the uh, end candy uh, candy house gunfire was that's, actually longer, but he yeah. had to trim it down. But you watch that, and that then you think, "Well, oh, this is a good." I mean, it's just that's, blood splattering everywhere. Is amazing, isn't it? It's oh, just, amazing. Just and also, I've, I've suddenly realised as well how great Leonardo DiCaprio is in in, in that film. Oh, yeah. And also, how I don't think I noticed at the time, which is stupid of me, um, but how. Samuel L. Jackson's character, Stephen, is playing a crocodile old guy bent over with a stick. And then when he goes in that room, he's sitting there perfectly normal, talking to him, thinking, hold on a minute, he's acting as a crotchety old man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's like, oh, I didn't really get that beforehand, stupid me, but there you go. Yeah, like the Django James got my favourite funny bits in it, the bloke with the masks. That bit <laughs> makes me fucking laugh, or the world goes, fuck you. <laughs> because yeah, with Jonah Hill. Hill. Mask. Because, it's Jonah Hill, though, yeah. I love that bit. Fuck you. Are you doing it? <laughs> my, my, my wife stayed up all night doing these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I didn't even know it was Jonah Hill. That's a yeah, thing. It's you know. amazing, no, it is an amazing film. I'd say, yeah, it's probably a little bit long. The Australian bit at the end, I don't See, think it's That's actually one of my funniest bits. Is it? That's yeah, a bizarre bit, isn't it? It's I just love the way that Tarantino gets blown up and it's just his boots standing there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a bit corny, but I quite, I did like that, I must admit. I must no, admit. but anyway, that's yeah. but I, 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 don't know, I don't know. I You know, I used to so look forward to Star Trek in the last few years. I've been so disappointed. Mm. Even in the films, you know, the last film, the one wrote by Simon Pegg, you know, I rewatched it at Christmas, and it's not that great. No, I mean I'm not overly a great. I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't want to be. I like the first one. It's good, first one's it? pretty good, but it's like they're pretty. You know, I, I, I've started watching all the old films, and I've, I've sat there, and some of them are a bit quirky and all that. But you know what? 
they're just great movies. They're just great Star Trek movies. And you go and watch the other ones. And there's, there's, there's something about overproduction which can really kill a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just because you got loads more money doesn't make it good at all. And I think they've lost the, as I say, sometimes you can lose the Roddenberry vision. And sometimes you need to go back to the Roddenberry vision to get Star Trek back. Because he was ahead of his time. Yeah, we all, when you watch that uh, Centre C, you know, you realise actually how much of a git uh, Gene Roddenberry oh, was. no, 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 no. no. But on another point, though, he was so ahead of his time that you, you realise that it's a bit like I was watching it to everything, everything or Nothing, the James Bond documentary on Amazon, which Is I've got on good? DVD. Well, I've got it anyway on DVD. I've seen it before. It's a really great DVD. Re- sorry, really great program. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. Really good. And Timmy D's on there, so it's always good to see Timothy Dalton. But Timothy Dalton was way ahead of his time. You yeah. watched uh, Living Daylights and Licence to Kill. And then you watch Casino Royale. It's virtually Daniel Craig and Timothy Dalton. They're the same bond. They really are. And he was just ahead of his time. And Gene Roddenberry was ahead of his time. And, you know, you need to go back to that kind of thing to get the the essence back. But, you know, know, good points. And uh, there we go. I just think, like, whatever they do, I hope Brave New World. You can't get your, you know... You've got to, I think you're going to manage your expectations with that because yeah. this is such a great world to do in, isn't it? You're mm. going to see all the first introductions to all these great characters, aren't you? Yeah. You're going to see all this stuff. And now we know how we... Well, some people are. We're not going to get to see it. <laughs> like I said, I don't know. I just think Paramount needs to give it over to someone, like they give it over to Kevin Farge. Yeah. Or, you know, all them people who love the product. You know, it's got, we talk about this, Tarantino... Give him that Star Trek. Let him mm. give it him. If you want someone to, you know, oh, we got no money. They said, no, no. well, he's all about scripts, and yeah. you want to do amazing dialogue in Star. Give it him. Give it him. And then that's what you want from Star Trek. Give some good dialogue, and and just let it go. Or oh, like we said, oh man, just get Disney to buy it. Ah, yeah, it's it's the monopoly that though, isn't it? But I mean, mm. I don't know. Well, but Amazon. Like, what you say though, if they don't, if they're not giving, not sharing it. They're not going to get more viewers. So soon that's going to be their share prices are going to go down with the... I don't understand that thing. No, I don't share understand. it to everyone. Get also, watching yeah, it. Yeah, also you're going to get... Well, that, mm, you know, Star Trek uh, ideology, isn't it, at the end of the day? <laughs> yeah. But you, you're just going to get people going, well, fuck you then. I ain't going to bother. And then that's what happens, isn't it? You know, it's the kind of thing that happens on that. But anyway, let's crack anyway. on with what our, our uh, initial podcast is. Kel, what do we do before we finally get into the conversation of it? You play the theme tune. And that is a Don Ellis uh, theme tune, which lasts for around about 58 seconds. Now, we are talking about Kel, French Connection. We've been on about doing this for a long time. And uh, I think because it's directed by William Freakin, uh, and this is a year before The Exorcist came out. Did you think uh, the theme music is slightly exorcist Yeah. But <laughs> it is, isn't it? It is, though. But I was looking on the thing, and I was having a look today. The British films out in this few years period, men's. 
Senses about seventy-five. It, it's truly amazing. Oh yeah, it's a great, it's a great you time know, for cinema. You know, Mike William Friedkin at the top of their game. Mm. So, and Francis Ford Coppola are all making films in New York. Oh yeah, yeah. And, oh God, mates. I know it looks rough, but how cool does New York look? I was gonna say, oh. you know what? Uh, oh, gonna... This is how he wanted New York to look like. I want yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, obviously, the people who lived in New York at the time were, was are going no. It's yeah, awful. Yeah. It's a bit like people who say about Birmingham. Oh, Birmingham was great. No, it weren't. <laughs> no, it weren't. No, no, it weren't. But on camera, bloody hell. And why do you always have alleyways with a fire going on in a in a pit? It's all it's all them. I don't know, mate. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Well, I think it, you know it was really, really rough then, weren't it? Mm. Oh yeah. And that's the thing. If it makes sort of rough, but sort of romantically rough. Maybe mm. because we were kids when we were watching all this stuff, like the Warriors and all that. This in yeah, the seventies yeah. period where it looked pretty cool. But like you're saying, the bankrupt crime was ridiculous. Mm. Corruption was bad. You had <laughs> violence was everywhere. The drug problem was bad. I don't know, something about it, it looks cool. I don't know why they're bloody big. It's like, why is it always like, you know, like, like I said, there's always people like crossing the road with bloody uh, trams when there's people driving about. And we will talk about this in a bit, which was real, weren't it? Anyway. anyway. Uh, no, that bit wasn't, but we'll, I say we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. get on to that. Um, so uh, the basis of it, just, you know, and uh, I'm just really saying, is of course, it's uh, a directed film by William Friedkin. Uh, Friedkin. Screenplay written by Ernest Tidyman, based on Robin Moore's 1969 book of the same name. It tells the story of New York police detectives Jimmy Popeye Doyle and Buddy Clady Russo, whose real-life counterparts were narcotics detectives Eddie Egan, who also stars in this film. Yeah, which is crazy, isn't it? Plays the captain. And Sonny Grosso, uh, in pursuit of wealthy French heroin smuggler Alan Chonier. Uh, it plays one of the, the world's greatest actors as the role of Papa Doyle, uh, Gene Hatman. Now, I, we didn't really go into great. We've talked about Gene before when we did the um, Superman film, but I don't think we went into great detail. So just the basics about Gene. He was born Eugene Allen Hackman on January the 30th, 1930. So he's clocking up the grand old age of 92 years old now. Uh, still alive, thankfully. He's a novelist as well as an actor. And a few of his films that I've written down here were uh, Bonnie and Clyde, The Poseidon Adventure, The Conversation, Young Frankenstein. Do you remember yeah. him in Young Frankenstein? Well, Basically. we know that because it's quite reactive quite a lot of our work, in it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> uh, a Bridge Too Far, the Superman movies, Mississippi Burning, The Unforgiven, and one of his last big films was The Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah. Uh, he is, uh, without doubt, a, a legend of uh, of British cinema. Uh, sorry, British cinema. Uh, world cinema. Oh no, British American it's like we were saying because we watched this like last night, and mm. I and I, that's what made me think like me and Emma watched it our like Saturday night movie, and I thought from 1971 this film you could watch it on a Saturday night as if you've never seen it before. That's what I love about this film. It yeah. Is, how, did, how did you watch it? You know what? I've got the same box set as you. You know, I didn't even know I had it. <laughs> really? I've got to get it off Amazon. And of course, you know how old it is, because it's got hot dog. Uh, <laughs> it's got the hot dog magazine thing on the front of it. How old's that? See, like you, I've got so many. I don't yeah. even know what I've got anymore. I don't know. Well, I need to them in a book. I know you could. Well, yeah. I, do, I do. Everything is, everything is catalogued. But obviously, I, I, unlike you, I mean, I... 
I've got a room that is dedicated just to me, which is a bit selfish, um, but it is a library, and that library is the whole of a wall of all films and DVDs. The only downside of that, of course, is that I'm so obsessed with having everything in, in alphabetical order that when I buy something new, I have to move everything down a little bit, which is, like, bloody annoying. Um, it's a nice little box, actually, as well, but it was. It, I'm not too sure if this one that we've got is the one that was messed around with because the, the, the film got grainy. I don't think ours is. I think one that came out a little bit later... Uh, is even worse, but the the color saturation of black. That that from... might be my because I know because the one thing I did think I thought the picture weren't that good on mine. No, it was a bit grainy at the beginning, but it seemed to sharpen up a little bit. I know this film, and you know that transferring film, that old film. Mm. It's it's an expensive thing to do. That's where you yeah. get the Criterion editions. Yeah, <clears throat> they're very you think, no, expensive, aren't they? Do, do, we've both got 4K TV, so I think yeah, we're always going to get that kind of problem. It? it don't out now. Um, it's a it's a great 104 minutes uh, long. It had a budget, Cal, of uh, 1.8 million dollars, and it grossed, uh, including theatrical and rental release, over 75 million. So I think we can say it's a success. The uh, 44th Academy Awards. It won Best Picture. Best Actor for Hatman, Best Director, Best Film Editing, and Best Adapted Screenplay, but was also in nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Scheider and Best Cinematography and Best Sound Mixing. Uh, other actors in this, of course, is Roy Scheider. We have talked about Roy before in our Jaws episodes. That's not right? in this film. He's not in it a lot, really, though, is he? He's not, but when he is on it, Popeye, it's a Popeye movie. It, isn't it? it is a Popeye thing, but Roy Scheider doesn't shy away. I mean, we've also got a couple of clips that we're going to throw in, which I've already got ready to go. Um, but I just want to talk a little bit about um, the director, about William Frequin. Uh, he was born August 29th, 1935 in Chicago. Uh, he's been... Uh, directing really now well we're working as a screenwriter and director of photography since 1962 um i became a little bit more i mean i generally knew freaking from the exorcist i think that's there's still one of my favorite films and and i've actually i mean i've like i've got um uh mark commode's book about the exorcist and stuff like that mark commode wrote quite a few things he wrote i don't know if you know this but you know the booklet in your dvd yeah yeah it's a, it's a uh, it's based it's from Camo's book about oh, the French right. connection. So there's obviously a good and, and I've known more about Freakin through Mark Commode. I don't think I don't know if you're in the same boat on that one. Yeah, well, he, he's Exorcist documentary about it. He's amazing, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's really good, and it's on the uh, the because I've got the Blu-ray Exorcist version. I think it's on the iPlayer, you know, at the moment. Oh, is it really? Well, mm-hmm. the documentary or yeah. Oh, wow, it's definitely worth it. But there's a, there is a, I don't know if you've seen it, there's a film, an Italian documentary called Freaking Uncut from 2018. Do you know what? I was about to say you, it's amazing. Oh, is it available to watch anywhere? Well, I, it was on Netflix. I watched it on Netflix, right? And I yeah. told Ray about it at the time, but it is amazing because another person, William Freaking, grumpy bastard. Right? <laughs> yeah. And it's true, like, People always have a go at freaking. Oh, like his bloody films that went downhill. When you did the amount of films he did that good in the 70s, no one can ever live up to films like that. Mm, no, 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 uh, no. It's like Spielberg, isn't it? He most, his, his films are never going to be as good as his films in the 80s. Well, when, when you think about the fact that that, that film, that uh, documentary that was done, it had the likes of Wes Anderson, Dario Argento, Francis yeah. Ford Coppola, William Defoe, Philip Kaufman, Matthew McConaughey, Michael Shannon, Tarantino, and Edgar Wright, all on a documentary talking about one person. Yeah. There's a reason for that. Oh, like I said, I think, I, you know, I, when you look at them films he did, 
you know, from you know, from 70 to 80, and then some of his 80s films are quite good as well. I don't think there's many people who, even Tony Sinner said in the documentary, you've got to stand back and sometimes you go, he's a genius. Mm, yeah. He, he, he changed filmmaking. Well, he like, had no, I was gonna say you think of like you know I you know I'm not a massive fan a massive fan of sixties films really I like some of them but I find them all a bit nice and then you get into the seventies and you think about this film it's such a bleak film isn't it yeah yeah and like dirty low down guerrilla filmmaking before that was a term. Well, yeah, cruising as well, which is a freaking film yeah, that came on as well, and 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 as we've said before about the stuff like Mean Streets and 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 all this kind of stuff, and Saturday Night Fever and, yeah. and everything that we have. I mean, we've talked about the romance that we have about New York many, 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 many times. Really? Um, the stuff like, you know, when you go into a bar and stuff like that, and and there's something about that. I like the idea of dirty bars. I like dirty bars because you, you know you're there for a reason. And that's yeah. it. I don't like you're not the there to eat. You're not there to eat. You're there to drink booze and and, and get busted by cups. A bit of a Popeye. Now there's a lot when the film starts in this. There is, I mean, I like the fact that it starts off really in Marseille. And even Marseille, you know, you, you know Marseille now is a very much of a of a cultural city. It's very kind of a romantic. Really yeah. In here, when we see it again, like New York, it is bloody rough. And I love the killing in that as well. So what I like about it is the fact that the guy has got a fresh baguette. Click yeah, yeah, yeah. Click that stereotype. The way the killer just grabs the baguette, pulls a bit off, and then walks off. <laughs> no, this is what I was going to say to you. I'd forgot because I haven't watched this film in a few years. Mm. And every time I rewatch it, I just forget how fucking violent it is. Oh, yeah. The violent, the killing in this. The blood's a bit, colours a bit off, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if that's transfer, but it exactly. is definitely. Maybe when you saw blood, that in, on film, mm. it might have been not as bright. I think that because you look at it on DVD, Blu-ray, it looks just weird, doesn't it? Yeah, it's pink. It's pink. It's like a pink. Like I like said, color. that might be to do with the colour saturations being, mm. buff, you know, when they try to. Like I said, I'd like to see it on like original, you know, like film. That'd be quite interesting to see. But apart from that. It wouldn't surprise you like that. I mean, stuff like the electric bios of uh, you went and saw Taxi Driver there. Uh, I don't know if you saw it the electric. Did you see the electric? Or was you it saw electric, else? yeah. You saw yeah. the electric. Okay, so you've got the likes of uh, of Taxi Driver being there. I think there is Mean Street is going to be coming there as well. So it wouldn't surprise you if you don't get French uh, the French connection going I'm on. I'm going to watch it. Definitely going to want to watch it on original film. Even though some of oh, yeah. it was so dirty. So <laughs> dirty on that Taxi Driver. Some of it was unwatchable because it's like bloody hell. But yeah. <laughs> it has got that warmth to it, hasn't it, mm, that DVD yeah. and Blu-ray hasn't got? No, no. And again, you know, I mean, you you need to spend shitloads of money on these things to actually get it right. And the only person who's been able to afford to do that recently, of course, Peter Jackson, when he did the Beatles documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You watch that and and that, and also the Bond, uh, the Bond films, they are amazing. They, I mean, they are superb. I, I started watching The Living Daylights the other day. Uh, because we'll have to see Marianne Diabo next week. Yeah. And uh, I'm kind of there going, oh, man, this is like, um, you know, the, the, it's I'm, I'm not 100 sure what the grading is on the Amazon thing. What the upscale is. is that the same as your blue? I don't, I'm not sure. It could well be the blue. I'm, I'm, I'll tell you what I'll do is I'll watch um, From Russia With Love because that's the one that's got a really close-up of uh, Bond's jacket, and it's amazing because you see all the stitching on it. So and there's one on Amazon. There is a section for like they call it Ultra HD, don't they? That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's because that's 4K. Don't you have to pay for that though? No, I don't think you do because I watched 
um, something kind that was UHD on Amazon. Yeah. Oh, uh, the boys. We watched the boys in UHD. Oh, okay. And that was uh, because because I didn't know that 4K is a is a it's what you call it. It's a, it's, um, a company. I didn't know that. You know. Oh, no, I didn't know that. I yeah, it's like that. it's like uh, like Tannoy. <laughs> Is it really? It's a company name. 4K was a trademark, and that's why that's why they call it UHD on that, right? But it's basically 4K. So yes, yeah, so have a look <laughs> on there. But I, that's a good point, actually. What them see a lot to look at. Anyway, hmm. we get away from the point there. We get away from the point. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what are you saying? Wait, anyway, I've forgotten now. <laughs> yeah, I'll just jump right back into the film. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah we Marseille, and then when he goes to New York, yeah, this is where the whole thing about the French connection is going on now. The the whole chase with uh, the Santa Claus is based on a real situation. That's based on that's what they used to do doing stakeouts. You'd have one of the police detectives dressed as Santa Claus singing, doing the thing, and another guy on watch out. And then when the guy saw that the deal had been done, he would met the people around him singing jingle bells, and that oh, was a cue for the other police officer to go in there. Now we've got the clip from um the the santa claus chase interrogation oh. which is a good cut back kind of thing so we'll we'll play that now Willie. Who's your connection, Willie? What's his name? What? Look. Answer him! No, no, man, no! Hey, no. Is it Joe the Barber? What? Joe the Barber, right? No. That's who it is, isn't it? Now, don't give us any shit. What's Joe's last name? I don't know, man. Give me, give me, give me. Give me. Yeah, all I know is there's a 125th Street, man, above the barbershop. What side of the street do you live on? North or South? North or South? I don't know what you're talking about, man. I don't know. North I'm asking south. you what side of the street he lives on. Hey, shithead. When was the last time you picked your feet? Huh? Yeah, what's he talking about? I've got a man in Poughkeepsie who wants to talk to you. You ever been to Poughkeepsie? Huh? Have you ever been to Poughkeepsie? Hey, man. Come on, give me a break. Hey, I don't know what you're talking on, about, it. man. Let me hear you say it. Come on. Have you ever been to Poughkeepsie? You've been to Poughkeepsie, haven't you? I want to hear it. Come on. Yes, yes, I've, I've been there. You've been there, right? Yeah, yeah. You sat on the edge of the bed, didn't you? You took off your shoes, put your finger between your toes, and picked your feet, didn't you? That's it! Yes! All right. You yes. put a shield on my partner. You know what that means? God damn it! All went wrong, I gotta listen to him gripe about his bowling scores. Now, I'm gonna bust your ass for those three bags, and I'm gonna nail you for picking your feet for Poughkeepsie. No, I love that thing. And that's where you get the, the whole thing of uh, you're still picking your feet in Poughkeepsie. Which is, a, yeah. which is a real thing. That's what he used to say. But what? Now I don't know whether that's scripted in this film. But Roy Scheider, when he walks, he turns, he turns his back and he's laughing. Is that, do you reckon he's in character there? Or do you think yes. he's actually breaking? It's hard to say it because this film was probably so loosely done, wasn't it? 
Mm. They had no money, and I don't think they were doing loads of takes. Ah, 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 ah. 35 takes of, of Gene Hatman having to run in a Santa outfit. And he nearly came to quitting, apparently freaking, to get Gene Hatman. Because Gene Hatman, in, in real life, is not a grouchy racist person at all. He I know, he's a, he's a liberal, he's, isn't he? Yeah, he struggled to be able to say, it's a bit like, we were saying earlier on about Django Unchained. Yeah. DiCaprio struggled to say the word, the N word. Like we can't, yeah. we don't like saying the N word. And as Samuel Jackson said, uh, said this is like a, every, every Tuesday to us. And he had to say that to get Gene Hatman into a pissed off, angry mood. He used to tell him that he was shit. He said, oh. "Rubbish take, we'll do it again." Oh, and, he, right. and just push him and push him and push him. But thirty-five takes to get that one. And that's why when you see them running up there, Hatman shoulders ahead, you know. And he looks like Hatman's got stitch. Yeah. Because he's really and I think that's really fun. Because you do anything. Well, he's not he's not gonna be fit, is he? He no. drives around in a car and all he, that, and that's what I like about him. He ain't as bad as Harrison Ford running. But he ain't <laughs> Look, I run, I run like Yeah, I run like Harrison Ford. When I was watching Raiders of the Last Art the other day, and you can see him running down. And Harrison Ford's a slim geezer, but he looks like me when I'm running. Slightly yeah, fat look. guy running down. <laughs> but no. But it's like that scene. It's like, bloody hell, people talk about police brutality. Yeah. No fucking right. They're racially abusing. They keep the shit out of him. <laughs> they kick the shit out of him. And then the, the, then uh, Cloudy turns around and says, well, 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 you leave him alone, leave him alone. And then he gives him a dick. He just stands <laughs> you kicking him when he's down. And you think, bloody yeah. hell, that's... This is the thing with this film. Like, I think if you're a young person, it'd be very interesting if you watch this film now. It'd make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Because you know that William Friedkin was once asked, is this, you know, is this film racist? Now, if you watch it now, there is a lot of racism in it. Mm. But he said it was race realism. Glad you said that. I was just about to say, if no, it's realistic. If you talk about he's horrible to everyone. Yeah. He is, isn't he? Oh, yes. Well, there's a, line, there's a line in it, and it's just after this, where they take him and he goes, um... So I'm going to have to say the N-word, but he's in the yeah, line. Yeah, yeah, there's no uh, way to say it, is there? Ne- never trust a nigger, he says. Yeah. And sh- and Kaidi goes, uh, well, what if he was white? He goes, never trust anyone. Yeah. So it's in essence, it's a bit like Dirty Harry, the classic line, Dirty Harry. Harry yeah, goes, yeah. He, don't, he don't like niggers, spicks, whops, limeys. <laughs> he don't like it. And he goes, that's why he called him Dirty Harry. Um, but, you know, that that is it. But also the cop, Eddie Egan. I uh, got an intro, a couple of interesting facts about Eddie Egan, which I'll tell you a bit later on. Um, that's what he was like. And that's what New York cops were like in the set. Not everyone, obviously, but that's what they, 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 a lot of them were like. He was grimy. And he, he turns around and he says a little bit later on, you know, you, you go into a place, you clean it up, you come back out the next week. It's just exactly the same. It's a, You're on a losing battle with that. And I think New York in that time, a bit like a lot of places, especially like Birmingham was like in the 60s and the 70s. You know, it's a rough working class areas and you can do you can only do so much. And I suppose you see in, in modern day policing now. You know, you, you probably go into the police force with every best intentions of wanting to clean places up, make the world a safer place. But then if you're seeing shit every day and being called a wanker and a cunt every yeah, day yeah, yeah. and all this every day, day in, day out, day in, day out, sooner or later, you're not going to give a shit and yeah. you're not going to care. And I think that's the that's the trouble. And, and films like this and all the other films from the 70s show that realism of what time's all about. You know, it's not it's like, you know. We met people talk about England in the 1960s. Everyone sees Flower Power and Covent Garden and, and, and you know, everyone wearing bright suits and Austin Powers and shit like that. 
Nobody sees what Soho was really like. Nobody sees what Whitechapel was really like. No one sees what the East End was really like. They were horrible shithole places where you'd get knifed and stabbed. Yeah, it, yeah, wasn't, it wasn't just Vivian Westwood banging on about, you know, it's, it, it's realism. And unfortunately, and it still happens to this day, you know, there is still racism out there. And you can hide it as much as you want. And you can tell people not to talk about it or you can... I'm not going to use the woke word because I don't believe it's used properly anyway. But no, you no, can no. use all this stuff saying, oh, no, you can't say that. Well, if you don't say that, no one's talking about it. And that's what's good about still showing these films where, you know, you do see it's a bit like I said to you about when you read Live and Let Die. You know, I'm sure there's somebody out there who, who gets offended by a bloody, you know, a feather falling on their head would turn around and say, oh, you shouldn't uh, have Live and Let Die because he uses the words Negro and Negress in it. Well, it was a film that was wrote in the 50s about Harlem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you can't get away from saying what. And also, there was a point of, well, where that's exactly what they used to call each other. But it's realism. That's what it was like. You can't hide it. You can't smooth these things over. And like I said, and there's no doubt, if you're a white cop dealing with scumbag criminal black people all day, you're not going to see the nice people. No, you're not. A lot of police to become very hardened to it, don't they? Mm, yeah. Very hardened to it. And like I said, he abuses spicks. Wow. He's involved in this, don't he? Oh, yeah, he does it all. Now, the he who's the one in the bar? Who's the WAP? Don't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, no, he doesn't call him WAP in that. He calls them a Guido. It's Guido. the worst term for it. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, really bad. And uh, I, I, I don't know. It's, but I said, it's weird watching it now because, this, yet again, this film would never be made now. They'd, they'd Which completely is a shame, change it. It's a shame, though, isn't it? that you, you wouldn't get films because why not? Why can't you have films made like this? Because it's like historically that's what things are like. You can't, you know, you, you can't say these things don't happen. At the end of the day, you've got, thankfully, we've got a lot of actors who are very powerful in Hollywood, who are, are, are black actors, black producers, and, you know, the likes of Samuel Jackson, the, the, the likes of, you know, um, Jamie Foxx. And the likes of, like, you know, Jay-Z and all these kind of people. Who to me? I suppose Spike Jones is the ultimate one for that, I guess. Is Spike mm. Jones? Spike Lee, sorry. Is the ultimate is the ultimate for, for stuff like that. But it's it's wrong of it not to have that kind of thing. But I don't know if you... You know, there's a thing about the fact that on one of his cases, one of the cops got killed. Yeah. Right. Now, I'm quite interested in that because you never really find out what no, went no. wrong. You know, no, no. and... There's- there's a thing that I'm saying after this film. What you re- what you realise is that this budget's low film because a lot of the characters are not sketched out. There's it, mm. it's it's such a bloody strict back film. The only you don't you know Popeye. What do you know about Popeye really? What he he drink what he drinks too much. He's obviously an alcoholic. He lives in a, a one bedroom apartment. He lives in a one bedroom, and that's all you know. You don't know. Well, the funny thing is, is that you, 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 well, you don't, you don't even, you hardly know anything about Cloudy because he, when they finish work, they come on, let's go for a drink, and they go to that cool jazz club where he, where Popeye seems to know everybody yeah, in yeah. that jazz club. So he obviously goes there quite a lot. Cloudy doesn't want to be there. He sits there has a drink at the bar, and that's where all the story starts. And that's where the story starts because he looks at this guy on the other side, and you think he's looking, thinking, someone sitting right here. I don't know who these people are, but he then goes, goes, let's go and tail them. And you can see Cloudy goes, what do you mean, going Cloudy? We just finished work. I want to go home. And they don't go home. And right. they're not cl- finding it all. And then that leads into, of course, the, the scene where they go into the uh, into the club where it says, all right, Popeye's here. Now, we've got the clip of that as well. So we'll play that. And I'll, I'll tell you the reason why it ends a bit. 
right, Popeye's here. Get your hands on your heads. Get off the bar and get on the wall. Come on, move. Move. Come on, sweetheart, move. Come on, move. All right, come on. Face the window. Move. Face the wall. Turn around there. Turn around. Move. Come on, move. Hands out of your pocket. Turn around. Turn around. Come on, you heart. Come on. Turn around, man. Come on, turn around. Get on the wall. Get on the wall. Turn around. Get on Turn around. Hey, you dropped that. Pick it up. hands up. Pick it up. Come on, move. What are you looking at? All right, bring it here. Get your hands out of your pockets. What's my name? Doyle. What? Mr. Doyle. Come here. You pick your feet. Do you get over there. Get your hands on your head. Hold them up. We told you people were coming back. We're going to keep coming back here until you clean this bar up. Keep your eye on your neighbor. He dropped something that belongs to you. What is this, a fucking hospital here? Huh? Turn around there, fella. What do we got here, huh? This belong to you? Huh? Stand up there, naughty. Get your hands on your fucking head. Get in there! You want to take a ride there, fat man? Oh, bullshit. Huh? Pay attention, we're gonna ask questions later. Turn around. All right, shut up. Damn it. Shut up! Anybody want a milkshake? All right, come over here. You and you. Hey, Whiskers! Come on. Move ass when I call you. Get in. You. Come on, you, Baldy. Come on. Come on, move. All right, put it on the bar. Come on. Get it on the bar. Get the hell in there. Put your hands on your head. All of it. Smart ass, you drop something. Pick it up. Want that hand broken? Get it up there. What else you got? Turn around. You're under arrest. That goes for you, too. Get that phone. Come on. Move. Move. Keep. Keep. Sit in there. All right, face the wall. Put your hands against the wall and lock yourself in. Hey, you. Hacker. Where are you going? You talking to me, baby? Yeah, I'm talking to you. Come here. Get out. Come on. What's happening, baby? Where you been, huh? I've been in there. You stand a toss? Sure, I'm clean. You shit? No, man. Hello. Oh, man, will you dick trace somebody? I said I was clean. I'm not gonna get stuck, am I? No, I said I'm clean, didn't I? I do, you know what happens. Yeah, I said I'm clean. Oh, motherfucker, don't hey, get fucking over me. I'll fuck your motherfucking ass. Give me a nickel, man. Come on, come give me a nickel. Come on, come on, come on. I told you, I'm clean. Why don't you fuck you want to come down on me like oh, that? Come boy. down on me. Oh, get man. Okay, so actually the clip there fades out when uh he sees the he's one of his formants walking out. Hey you hacker! Which yeah. I love that. I think he's brilliant. <laughs> he pretends to go and buff more. But then he says, Where where do you want it? And he goes, yeah. What do you mean? He goes, Where do you want the punch? And he's like, oh, man, you know what I mean? He's doesn't doing the job and then he has to he has to get punched. But I like all that kind of building up. But again, that's what he says. We'll be back in next week. 
And he yeah. was in the week before, and he was in the week before that. Yet yeah, they've still got all the drugs. The drugs are still going on. No one's learning a lesson. And it's that whole thing, isn't it? Even to this day, people bang on about, oh, yeah, well, you know, people arresting some kids smoking a joint over a park and all this kind of stuff. That's not the problem. No. The problem's the main source. You've got to tackle the source. But, of course, the main sources are being corrupted by people having bungs, especially at this time as well. So yeah. it's, it's something that can never be done. But that's what makes this film even yeah. great because you end up getting totally annoyed by all the um, – the the whole kind of thing, you know, he's, he's following the French guy. He's actually, right. in, real, in real life, the French guy, we should turn out here. He's played by Fernando Casadlo Ambrillier. Now, I probably spelled that totally wrong, born 25th September 1979. He's Spanish. Oh, French. right. They didn't know that. Apparently, they got the wrong guy. <laughs> and he turned, he turned up on set. They realised that he didn't speak French. Didn't speak French at all. But he was incredibly well known in, uh, in France and did a lot of other films as well, like uh, Discreet Charm of the Bourgeois, that obscure object of desire. Uh, and of course, he was in this film and the follow up French connection too. But I love that following thing. If you've never seen this before, oh, this the, bit is amazing. The bit where he gets on the subway and he gets off and he gets off. And you think you've blown it straight away there. Then he gets and that's up. the thing. He's saw him all the while, hasn't he? Yeah, he's seen him all the while. And he, he just, knows where sure. he is and that's what yeah. he's doing and he's leading him on it. That bit is amazing, isn't it? Because this is the thing with a lot of this film, isn't it? It's that what a lot of the thing that Popeye does, it never sort of works out for him in the end, does it? No. Puts all this hard work into stuff. And there's always someone a bit smarter than him, isn't there? Ahead of him. And also, he hasn't got, he's only got the support of uh, yeah. his partner. He's got this kind of the support of the police chief, who's the ready Eddie, the real Eddie yeah. Egan. You haven't got the support of the other guy. The um, FBI, who's, the FBI who's taking the piss out. And that's the thing with Popeye, in it, isn't it? That everyone thinks he's a bit of a dick, really, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, that's it's the thing. It's all full it? of bullshit. They all think he's full of shit, don't they? Which obviously comes from this bungled job yeah. that he did before. It's Agent. Um, it's Agent Mulderick, who's the guy who turns around and says, you're the, you know, well, last time you did this, we got a cop killed. Now, he's with them in the car time. Do you know who the guy playing Agent Mulderick is? No, who's he? Okay, this is an actor and stuntman called Bill Hickman. Oh. He's the one who does the driving in this film. Oh, right. Does he's the stunt driver. He's had nothing about his money then. They had to do whatever did. But, so, uh, he, um, old Gene Hatman did do some of the driving in it. Uh, but he did, Bill Hitman did the majority of the driving in it. He also did um, the driving for these other films. Uh, Vanishing Point. What? The Love Bug. Ah. Bullet. What the? Point Blank. Bloody hell. The Great Race. Oh, yeah. And Diamonds Are Forever. Uh, Not bad. Hitman had been a close friend of James Dean, and on the day of Dean's fatal crash, Hickman was following him in a 1955 Ford station wagon, pulling the trailer for Dean's Porsche Spider. Bloody hell. I said uh, I still think Dominance of Forever, best uh, bomb car chase in any of the films. Ooh, apart from the uh, the car when he goes down the alleyway and then goes, because he goes that way, because they filmed it going in the one yeah. way, but then there's no way it, would, it came out the other way. No, no, so no, they no. do that crazy. Yeah, but just the whole chase, though, is amazing. Oh, was, yeah, yeah. I think that was them trying, when are we going to get away from Bond again? A bit more like a 70s movie, weren't it? Yeah, it was trying it's to jump into it. Tougher, it. it with a more yeah. physical, because that's the best thing about this film, right? There's no effects in it. It's all bloody physical. It's all happening in it. Yeah. 
Now, we obviously head now to one of the things that the French connection is most well known for, of yeah. course, is the car chase against the tram chase or the, the train, I suppose, if you want to call well, it a train. It's the, it's the, the L train, isn't it? Yeah, the L train. The which, L train, which, the train there's, a, there's a lot of, um, you know, things about this this chase that is is not true. Right? No, but, so, you know, what I forget, what people forget this, though, is that you forget there's a whole scene before it, which is amazing as well, with the rooftop. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and which is amazing. Yeah, it's not just the chase. It's the lead up to the chase. Why mm. is after him? Because yeah. I think mean, you can put this chase on and go, oh, it's just the car chasing it. But mm. you don't understand what he's doing. The bloke's tried to fucking kill him and killed that woman and no one gives a shit. <laughs> oh, no, that, that, that is really disturbing, that is. That's yeah. the thing. And also you know, then... Do you know when it's a bit like that? I noticed last night a bit with Popeye. When he's doing the walk, when he's following him, you look, right? Where, because a lot of this is like you can see it's guerrilla filming, isn't it? <laughs> mm. They just it's got him and they're filming him in the crowd, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And he walked past as a bloke passed out. In the oh door. yeah, yeah. And he could be dead, and he just doesn't give a shit. No, he just walks past him. No, and I'm that. he's prepared to put up with all this shit to get what he wants, mm. and he's so, you know, caught up in his goal, isn't he? It's a bit like, bit like the just sharking thing. It's obsession, isn't it? Yeah. In the end. It's all about his obsession with it, isn't it? You saying that about the guerrilla filmmaking, right at the beginning with the, the clip that we played earlier on with the Santa Claus beating up yeah. thing, when they drag him in that alley with the little fire in the middle of the thing, if you look, there's a woman walking down the road and she's just looking, going, what the hell's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she, so clearly there's there's no permits on that bit because it's not far <laughs> enough. And, and there is a thing about the whole, you know, no permits going on. I'll so what, let's talk about the legend of the, the legend versus reality of reality. reality. Okay, so this is the thing that I've copied off to Tinternet, right? And and there's some other stuff there which I'll I'll say. So the the car chase was filmed without obtaining the proper permits from the city. Not exactly true. There was some permits done. Members of the Empire PD's tactical force helped control traffic, but most of the control was achieved by the assistant directors with the help of off-duty. NYPD officers, many of whom had been involved in the actual case. The assistant directors, under the supervision of Terence A. Donnelly, cleared traffic for approximately five blocks in each direction. Yeah. Permission was given to literally control the traffic signals on those streets where they ran the chase car. Even so, in many instances, they illegally continued the chase into sections with no traffic control, where they actually had to evade real-life traffic and pedestrians. Many of the near collisions in the movie were therefore real and not planned, with the exception of the near miss of the lady with the baby carriage, which was carefully rehearsed. A flashing police light was placed on top of the car to warn bystanders. A camera was mounted on the car's bonnet for the shots from the car's point of view. Hammond did some of the driving, but the extremely dangerous stunts were performed by Bill Hickman, with Freakin filming from the back seat. Freakin operated the camera himself because the other camera operators were married with children and he was not. So there was a there was a lot of things in there which and it wasn't one single shot. Obviously, that's impossible to do. Um, and you know there was obviously repeat shots and stuff like that. But it is still, I think, one of the greatest car chase scenes. But not only because of the fact that one, the driving is so superb, but the acting of Gene Hatman, because you can see his frustration going on it, you know, all yeah. the time when he crashes, when he gets going again, he's screaming at the, the window, get out of the way, get out of the way. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah. gets annoyed when someone gets his way. And you can only get that by someone who's a great actor. If yeah. you didn't have that, if it was just yeah. all done by stunt car chases going on, 
it wouldn't have worked. But what, because you see him do that. Do you know the car? Do you know what car it is? He's got like the, the chase Ooh, of his car I, is. I, I don't know. I because don't think that's the thing, isn't it? It's not like a super. It's obviously done a Probably bit. Not, it's an Oldsmobile or something like that. Yeah, like, it's, I think it's obviously got a bit more poke in it to get the speed in it. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. a lot of the way he just gets it in that car. And the car is fucking totaled at the end, isn't it? Yeah, and that's somebody's car. Yeah. You know, the old days where... He, but what I do like as well is that not everybody stops for him. He's standing there holding his badge and some yeah, people yeah. are driving around him. And then that poor guy goes out. And, and you've seen that par- parodying on so many things now where they jump in and he drives off. But I, I, I've always wondered... I know this is a boring thing to think about, but what happens in that situation? Yeah. Are, are you compensated for it? Are you? How did you get home? I Insurance? mean, it's... Insured, yeah, but are you insured by voluntarily giving your car over to somebody and driving off? Are you allowed to do that? Could you be arrested for not doing it? Because then, oh, well, perverting the, perverting the, the car to justice, then, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. Well, look, about that. We said, I think that when you forget, I always think about this bit as well. You've got this amazing chase going on, mm. right? But also, you've got the great little bit on the train with the, yeah. the criminal. That's forgotten about that. You've got your yeah, like storyline going on at the same time, haven't you? And I like the fact that, although there is a bit of a continuity area, but I'll, I'll tell you about that now. Yeah, as he gets on, right, well, yeah, he shoots the one copper, right, who actually is a real-life tram police oh, right, officer, yeah, yeah, yeah. right, and he, but he also had an equity card so he could act as well. So he gets shot. Loads of people, oh, scream, scream. He, ta- he goes down into the end carriage, gets into the driver's carriage, which everyone forgets as well that he's holding now a, the train driver yeah. hostage who ends up having a heart attack and probably yeah. dying. So that's another <laughs> poor bugger. But what I like about that, though, is that a load of the people, the other stewards and some of the the the, the um, passengers are trying to get in and helping the guy this out. He's like an army person, isn't he? Yeah, but not one of them walks over the body of the copper. No. So, oh no, he's not there anymore. It's like it's like when you play a game and suddenly you've killed someone and you turn around, and that body's gone. And you think, what? Yeah, where, yeah, did, yeah. where did the body go? You know what I mean? It's a bit, it's a bit weird. But I love that as well. That whole tension in the cab. You feel yeah. sorry. You feel so sorry for that train driver. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. he kills over a heart attack. But that, but the train just slows down. Now, yeah. I, does the guy slow the train down? I think or, yeah. I, no, because I think I was looking at this. I think it's something to do. They've got if it runs through a tracks. It knows that something's happened, and it automatically the train oh, slows, slows it down. Just I was going to say, yeah, had something happened. Yeah, but yeah. I like that bit because he gets out the thing, and he's got a right smug look on his face that he's got away with it. Yeah, and yeah. He's down the bottom of the stairs, you know. That, and that is, it. and of course, that's the t- that's the poster that you often yeah. see, which is of course the poster on our podcast. Well, as I like the way one. that he's hurt, and he yeah. does, he sort of slumps over, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. He slumps over and then shoots him in the back. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> a brilliant 38, uh, 38 uh, snub nose revolver, that is. Oh, classic. A classic oh, police gun. Yeah, anyway. now, here's a question for you. It's probably my ignorance, so I do apologise for this. Because while I've not been to New York, but you have many a time, yeah, yeah. is is that train still there? The L train, yeah. But is it still there? That's, the L train's not in Manhattan. It's sort of, uh, well, it used to be Brooklyn and Bay Ridge and all them places a bit out. Mm. So... That goes that that's outside and then that goes underground. A bit like oh, the way okay. in London, you know, if you get the tube out of London. Yeah, the, L- the LDR. You know, you, you know, if you go out on the uh, like the DLT. Yeah, yeah, DLT. Uh, no, da- the Dave Lee Travis. Yeah, the Docklands, like the DLR, right? Yeah. If you yeah. go that, then you yeah, start stuff and it goes underground. Or if you get it from outside, from it's like a normal train, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. Then yeah, it goes down. underground. So ah, I think the L train okay. where it was. I'm not too sure in that area now, but I think hmm. the outline's still there. I think it is. 
Because well, all that kind of thing, it, it reminds me a little bit like with the with the Blues Brothers, where you've got that kind of the same kind of train going plus buildings and stuff like that. I don't think that's there in Chicago anymore. I think that's gone because I think all these well, I didn't places see were Chicago when I was there. I didn't no, see. so obviously they all must be rejuven, you know, rejuvenated and stuff like. That. And I suppose that you know you're going to build proper proper transport systems. Are a lot. I think, lot that, I think for the danger as well. I think when you think about it, it's a dangerous thing, isn't it? That comes off the tracks. Now, do you want? I've got. I've only got a couple of uh, facts here for I've you. I've got. I've got a couple of facts if you want. Oh, do you want to read yours first then? Say yours first. Well, mine, mine are just well-known facts. Well, not well. No, one's an unknown fact. The other one's a really good fact. Now, okay. the first fact is there's something very interesting in this film. Like, do you notice this film? Like the mafia are never, never mentioned in this film. No. Right. Okay. It was a mob. Well, basically, right that. The people who were running this thing, right, they, you've got to think this story, the real story is the French people are not really French. They were from Corsica. Mm. They were the Corsican mob, right? Oh, okay. And yeah. what they did, they got heroin from Sicily, from the Sicilian mm. mob. They took it to France when it was refined. Then right. they sent it into New York, right? Yeah. Now, okay. even when they're in New York, like the mob at the time, four of the main, four of the five families were anti-drugs apart from one, which was the Bonanno family. The Bonanno family run this in New York. The leader of the Bonanno family was a called Garma, Carmine Lilo Gigante. Lilo Gigante was killed because of what happened in this story. Oh, okay. But they don't tell you. He was killed in 79, a long time after this, but it was all because of this. A month after this, the Bonanno family broke into the police stories and stole all the heroin back. <laughs> Brilliant. So, also, <laughs> fact number two Robert well, Egan, Eddie Egan to the side, Eddie Egan, right? He was the armourer on The Godfather. Oh, okay. You know the bit in the toilet? Yeah. With a gun? No. They had a crap gun. Yeah. It didn't look right. He said, I'll give you my gun. And it was his police revolver that he used oh, in the connection. That was on that was on that podcast that you told me about. Yeah. And yeah. like it out once to Mark Commode in the middle of a bloody restaurant. He said, This is my revolver that was in the bloody Godfather. And in the, and that was the revolver that Gene Hackman had in the thing. No, it's the same one. Yeah, that ah. was very famous done. Bloody hell. Yeah, that's pretty good, isn't it? That he's that, got I, I like those facts. stuff. They couldn't talk about it. They were no. warned. Freaking oh, was right. warned, like it was in The Godfather. They never mm. mentioned the word mafia in The Godfather. They weren't allowed to do it. In the 70s, the mob in New York was so powerful. I mean, ridiculous. Everyone was scared, and that's why they never mentioned And that's why this film, he knows full well he's a mob guy. He calls yeah. him a policy thing. He's running the mob numbers, which is their lottery. And that's yeah. why they couldn't do it, and that's a bit weird. It's like... The only one of the only things I don't like in this film is where they find the drugs in the car. They're yes. in that car to shreds. Right. Yeah, it's I know like it is. It's, it's great. great. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Now he's ripping all the bloody carpet out. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's proper tearing it apart, isn't it? It's not. It's the not like. like. But then again, it's like ah, it don't really matter, does it? Yeah, and all this is supposed to be done in four hours. Yeah. No, that that don't that don't happen. Actually, they're very good. They are very very good extras. Not I feel embarrassed that mine are so crap now. Because <laughs> I know I've read loads of mob books and I know this story. Because that actually that heroin went on then 
to be cut down. And it was a thing called the pizza connection mm. in um because they realised they couldn't smuggle him. So what they did, the Sicilian mob opened up loads of pizzerias all around New York and smuggled the heroin in tomato sauce cases. And it, that was the route that was opened up in the French connection, but they learnt their thing. The pizza connection from about 86 to 90, they were arrested in 1990, was far bigger than the far bigger than the French connection. But the French connection's where it started it, where the mob, the Sicilian mob realised they could get heroin into New York. There you go. I won't go too much about the mob because I could be talking for another three hours. No, I'm I'm really quite fascinated. I do lo- I do love it when uh, it makes one it makes my dinner dinner half hour at work go very quickly when you talk about your your mafia uh, information because right. I absolutely love it. I right. really do. I'm fascinated by it. It's fascinating it's, stuff. It is. It's great. Yeah. And uh, no, that's that's brilliant. Well done, you. I like it. Very, very I like much. it. You can you can do more of those. Uh, the the Egan gun is like fucking amazing, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's a great. It's a great. Hand of it. Picked it up. See, like, are, yeah, uh, what he's gonna done. Uh, now, there's obviously a sequel to this film called French Connection 2, which is a totally fictionalised version of it because... Um, Do you know, you know, Emma's never seen it. We're going to watch it probably tomorrow, but she's never seen it. Ah, OK. Oh, you, you know what? It's a good film. It's a oh, good film. It seems very different. Yeah, oh, well, it, it seems different in it, doesn't it? I think the reason is because this is based on true story. And as you said, they can't say certain things and they can't do certain things. It's a bit like reading the Alistair Campbell diaries when they first came out. There's an It was a very thin book. And then suddenly <laughs> when, when all sanctions were lifted, it was a very big book, I think. But, um, now, according to William Freakin, the significance of the straw hat being tossed onto the shelf of the rear window and Doyle and Russo's car was at that time a universal signal in New York City that the undercover cops in the car were on duty. Another thing about it is how wicked is his hat in this? I love that hat. He's, I love that hat. Oh, I said to him after straight away, how amazing is his look in this Papoy Doll's look? <laughs> it is that. Well, and a bloody it, hat. And also, you know the scene uh, towards the end when he's capturing the... Well, he doesn't get the Spaniard, does he? The Spaniard escapes. But, well, the French guy said, when he stands there and he does the wave like that, Yes, yeah, so that scene he's, he's just like, and it's a well-known photograph that everyone said, but he does look, he does look amazing. Um, the location of the bar where Doyle makes the milkshake is 1128 Myrtle Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, is now a Popeye's chicken fast food restaurant founded by Arthur Copeland, who named the chain after Popeye Doyle. Popeye chicken is named after that? Yeah. What? <laughs> amazing that? Now, there is, um, there was a Made For TV oh, series. I, I, that fast already about it earlier in Wicked. Can you get it anywhere? Uh, you might be able to. There was only one episode. Uh, it was a pilot program starring Ed O'Neill, otherwise known as Al Bundy from Married oh. with Children, who played Popeye <laughs> Doyle. So there was I, I plenty- thought that must have got your heckles up to have a look, have a look oh, at that, wouldn't you? Yeah, you know what I'm like about Ed O'Neill. I love it. <laughs> Even though Moon Life apparently is a miserable ass. Oh, um, is he? Yeah, yeah, there is. <laughs> and I think there was there was look at uh, doing it the way. But there was also another film which I'm not too sure if you know about called Badge Three Seven Three. It's a 1973 American neo-noir crime thriller film inspired. Uh, sorry, it was inspired as was the French film by the real life career of Eddie Egan. Here, he's called Eddie Ryan. The film, which is a screenplay by journalist Pete Hamill, was produced and directed by Howard W. Koch and stars Robert Duvall as Ryan. What? Yep, with uh, Bernard Bloom, Henry Doe and Ed Egan himself as a police lieutenant. The film was not successful either at the box office or with critics. Badge 373? Badge 373, well, yeah. I'm going to investigate that because that sounds bloody amazing. I know, you've robbed him off. Is he still alive? No. 
I don't think so. I can't so. be, can I? Uh, let me just do a quick Google search. So it's 30, uh, mid-30s in the late well, 60s. Also, did you know that um, a day before he was due to retire from the police service, obviously he was asked to leave because he was doing so many different things, um, he was fired a day before um he was he was meant to retire so he, he wasn't a, no he passed, passed away in 1995 uh he was 65 when he passed away yeah so they fired him a day before so he didn't get his police pension they did re, uh, go back on that and they did give him full uh thing but yeah. i think that was just doing that because he was like oh you're embarrassing the police service and all this kind like of I said, i think it was a type of policeman that sort of they were probably trying to get rid of them weren't they because yeah. what you think about this well like about it, he does all this stuff in this film like we said without any help yeah does yeah, he really he yeah. just does it doesn't he he's got a couple of i love the bit with the wire we never got the wire as well <laughs> yeah. I love that bit. Also, the bit, the one thing we didn't talk about is when he pulls that girl and takes her back. Why oh. is she handcuffed? Why is he handcuffed to the bed? Right. That is a bit creepy bit when he's following her on the bike, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he pulls her and then, but for no apparent, I mean, I thought, ah, oh, she's robbed him, handcuffed into the bed, yeah. robbed him. But she's not. She's still in the bathroom getting changed. Yeah. You and know. you think, well, okay, that's. Well, whatever. It's a bit like the bit with Pop Boy when he's like when he wakes up on that bar when he's been asleep all night. Yeah, and he's <laughs> only me. He's drinking. He's been open all night. And he just like walks out. He? <laughs> <laughs> he just walks out. But is it only me, or maybe I'm looking too much into it, where you think to yourself, "Oh, you ain't brush your teeth." Yeah. You know I mean, what I mean? Is it only me? Bar open all night with a bloke asleep. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's probably the reason why we love this old romanticized version of New York, the way you could go to a bar that's open twenty four seven and and just yeah. lie there, like like you know Homer Simpson's bar at the end of the day, where you could just go in the bar fly. You know, they, I suppose that's what they call bar flies, aren't they? At the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no. But it's well, like every time said, you just realise this. I think the whole sort of propulsive nature of this film, yeah, just doesn't stop, does it? Yeah, no, no. think I was like I was saying to my wife last night. It's like it's like a film of movement, isn't it? Everyone's constantly moving, walking, chasing, running, driving. Yeah. There's not many sec. There's not many things in this where they're sitting around chatting. It's just no. Matter. And it's he's done in that kind of guerrilla filmmaking where the camera's constantly with you. There is there is a slight thing where they 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 use the wheelchair in one bit where they they follow him down the rail track. And if you notice, the camera wobbles quite a bit, and that's because the cameraman jumps off the wheelchair as I was trying to follow him. But again, like I think the fugitive did a bit of a lot of that. We have some forward where it got you involved in it, and you're there with them. The same with the car chase and stuff like that. Yeah. The car chases that you, are, you, everyone thinks are fabulous, one, because they probably are, but the ones where you're directly involved with when you're in the car with it, the car, the films that have done that, most notably with the Blues Brothers, Vanishing Point, um, and, and this film, you know, no, with Bullet, it was. Bullet, then. I think Bullet's yeah. the most overrated car chase. Well, it is because he one looks of his No, he looks fucking amazing. Yeah. I think we talked about this. Yeah, yeah. He, looks, he looks great. Look. The car is obviously a beautiful green Mustang, oh. which is always good. But it is a film that's repeated. The, the, the car chase is repeated. So what, what you always, I think we talked about this on one of the last podcasts, where you just see the yellow beetle all the time. And you think, well, it's just filmed from another angle. And you think Even it doesn't work. Like, there's, there's a runoff where the car crashes. Yeah, and you see it in the background. The car driving. <laughs> and then yeah. it's like when I've heard this, I thought, well, it's not bloody, it's not, it's not the French connection. 
you know, it's it's not like I said, I love a car change. They're not done so much anymore, are they? I think the logistically they're quite difficult to do, aren't they? I, I think, think they are because we we, I think we live the in a more great one I can think of was the film weren't that great, but I think that car chase made was like the was the Matrix two. That car but, chase. Yeah, but then they they had to build the the uh, uh, the, the road for it to be done. Never, so. Which is insane that they did that, isn't it? Mm. Insane. I suppose though, you've got the Fast and Furious films, but again, we haven't seen all the Fast and Furious films, so I, you know, I've never seen one. I, I, mm. I'd like, you know, it's like the kind of thing. If they're on Netflix, I'd like to watch them. I'm yeah. telling you, the point is, that's a lot of fucking hours, isn't it? Hobbs and Shaw, I watch because that's on there. But they're again saying that I like Stadium and I like The Rock. So you got a buddy buddy film, and it's more of a buddy buddy film than it is a car chase film. I really but, like the it? Batman. I think they like the car chase in the Last Batman. That's good. Did you like that clip that I sent you with the Adam West as Batman? Yeah, yeah. really good. <laughs> really good. But I really like that Batman film because it's like a chase in the rain. It's yeah, it is. It's to do. Now, you know I'm playing that, that Batman game you recommended. Yeah. I'm stuck. Oh, for God's <laughs> sake. What name? And it's really early on as well. So. well can't be like the other one you're playing on, but you were stuck on the bloody fucking training screen. <laughs> what, you stuck on? <laughs> You know the bit where you rescue the firemen in yeah, the building, yeah, yeah. right? I've rescued them all, and I've got some fire geezer in the back of my car, right? And then I go to drive off, and then suddenly a helicopter plane comes in, and i got a couple of cars. For the life of me, I can't... Am I supposed to just shoot the helicopter? Or am I meant to shoot the cars on the ground first, oh. then the helicopter? Because I keep getting That's blown up. I'll have a think about that and get back to but it's been a few years since I watched that, played that game. Yeah, it's fairly early that. on. It's fairly early on. Fucking hell. <laughs> I'm going to go back to Assassin's Creed. I know where I am with that. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's, you know, that is your problem because you've played so much of Assassin's Creed the last few years. That's it. Brian's yeah. wide up to them guys. It, it is wide. And I'm getting older and it's just, I just want, I just go, I just want to go back to killing people. <laughs> oh, no. I'll work but, it out. Yeah. But no, but like I said, I hope there's people who haven't watched this film and you think, hmm. because my God, watching this film for the first time would be amazing. Oh, yeah. It's one of them things, isn't it, where you, you kind of, Slightly jealous of people who have, yeah, who have yeah. never seen it. Now, I have... Oh, here we go. We have got a few people who uh, liked it uh, on here, so uh, we're not announcing it on Facebook. Uh, I've left social media, all social medias. Um, so when I post something on uh, the Waffle On, it will be underneath the Waffle On name. But uh, Drus Adams, Paul Wright and Ian Higgins, all big fans of the French Connection. And uh, I do need to be, give a quick shout-out to um, Stuart Stroke, Neil Morgan... And Vanguard Comics, Kel, who um, who gave us a little bit of a donation. Uh, that's Ooh, one who gave I gave you I gave you some money when we was in the pub the other day. Um, very kind, very kind of us to do that. So yeah, check out Vanguard Comics, and always always a massive shout out to Stuart Stroke, Neil Morgan, uh, who very kindly supports the show. And you can if you really want to. It's entirely up to you. We don't we don't ask for it. But there's a button on our. Podbean yeah. website, if you want to go. We don't know what we're doing next. We do what we do. We have a whole list of films at work, don't we? But unfortunately, that, I'm not at work. When we get spurned on by something that just comes across our mind for one second, doesn't it? It does, yeah. There'll be like, something oh, that'll pop up in the next month. They'll go, oh, we can't do that. <laughs> yeah, we have to do. But we, we'll, uh, we'll announce it on Facebook uh, or or just be surprised. Just subscribe to our podcast. Jen will have all the information for you. And, uh, and of course, we have always here for emails, which was that. Not heard of Rob K because he's been locked up again. Uh, I'm sure he'll be released sooner or later when the streets are safe. <laughs> very true, true. Very true. Okay, so that's us for this month's edition. Hope you liked it. And uh, we'll see you very soon.
Bye. You've been listening to Waffle On. If you'd like to get in touch or join the mailing list, you can by emailing the guys at waffleonpodcast at gmail.com. You can also have some waffly fun by joining their Facebook page. Simply type in Waffle On Podcast in the search bar and away you go. This has been a Waffle On production. Copyright Simon Meddings and Mark C. Kelly. This was not an easy role for him. And you you recognized something in Hackman that profoundly affected his performance in the way that you directed him. Gene wanted to be in the film very much. And but he had no idea how far I was gonna take Egan. And Gene was born in a small town in Illinois called Dundee, Chris. And Dundee had been a Ku Klux Klan town in the old days. And it was a blue-collar town. And uh, Gene's father had deserted the family when Gene was very young. And so Gene grew up disliking authority. And he disliked racism. And he felt when I sent him to go around with Eddie Egan, as I did, he felt that Egan was just a racist, and he didn't want to go there. And I recognized this, and I knew that even though I was the youngest guy on the set, uh, I was the authority figure on the set. And so I worked with Hackman in a way that I've never worked with anyone else. I would... I would I knew I had to get him angry. And so I would it's really embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, but I would say things to Gene like we we do a shot and I like one take. I love one take because it's so spontaneous. And Gene wouldn't go the distance with Hackman uh with uh, uh Eddie Egan and I would Instead of saying cut, I would say, oh, Jesus Christ. I'd say, Are you kidding me? I would say, pal, you better get a day job. You know, you, you better look for something else because this isn't working out. And he actually quit the film in, on the second day. And his agent, Sue Menger, said, well, that's fine, Gene. If you do that, you'll own the picture. You know, you will own everything they've spent. So Gene stuck around and stuck it out. But I would get his anger to a point where he would finish a take filled with rage and then walk off the set for the rest of the day. And that's exactly what I wanted. (laughs) You know, including him walking off the set. Because at a certain point he knew that that's the way we're going to do this guy. You know, as a guy who used the N-word and the G-word and the S-word and everything else and slapped around suspects. And that's what police work was then. And Gene never enjoyed doing that, but he just did it so damn great.
Yeah. And don't think for a moment that I'm telling you that I coax this performance out of him. What a director does is try to provide a mood, an atmosphere for the actor to do their best work. And sometimes, I, I don't know if you've ever had this, sometimes it's a question of conflict. Yeah. You know? I, I remember reading how Stanley Kubrick got uh, the young woman who was in The Shining. What was her name? Shelley Duvall. Shelley Duvall. He would get her crazy. Yeah. You know, he would make her do it again and again and scream and yell at her. And Kubrick wasn't like that. But he did that with Shelley Duvall. And she gives what I think is a terrific performance under those harsh circumstances. That's not the way I recommend working <laughs> by, by any means. And, uh, you know, it, it often leads to a crack in the jaw, you know. But Gene just stuck it out and held it, held it together, and he had the chops. And he delivered in, in a way that I, I couldn't even um, ask.